Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Your Fest, the podcast that's all about festivals. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined as ever and always by my mustachioed co-host. He is now 31. It's Tommy Stewart. Tommy, how does it feel to be 31 now that you're 31? Mate, 31 is just so flipping 31. I can't believe it. Uh, you know what? The funny thing is, on my um, on the cricket podcast I'm involved with, and we were, my mate was taking the piss out of me on the podcast itself, Murally End, by the way, at Murally End. Um, and he was saying, God, your birthday last year, your 30th birthday, which was luckily just before lockdown, ended up being a bloody birthday marathon. Like it felt like it lasted a month. And then a week later, it's my actual birthday, my 31st birthday. And the same thing happened. Everyone just kept saying in this podcast group, you know, is it your birthday? You haven't bloody mentioned it. Um, so yeah, maybe that is my thing. Maybe I'm just a big spoiled fucking child. Oh, I was trying to not swear there, but bloody child. Um, and maybe I'm just a big birthday baby. And for anyone that's playing Tommy Stewart bingo, you can tick off both cricket and 30th birthday. <laughs> Anybody that's not listened to the podcast before, this one, not the cricket one, do you want to give a brief explainer of what it's all about? Yeah, it's about birthdays, birthdays and birthdays and birthdays and cricket and birthdays. No, every week we invite a uh, guest on to talk about their dream festival lineup. They can pick any artist, any act, dead or a live. And they have to pick a name, a date, and a location for said festival. Also, I didn't mention ideally three, uh, three headliners. That's how we usually do it. And our guest this week is the Mock the Week regular. He's also a fantastic comedian and Twitch streamer. It's Captain Sir Glenn Moore, who. <laughs> We're very much looking forward to talking to, and he will be an excellent guest, Tommy. Yeah, he will be a fantastic guest, Mr. Captain Glenn. Uh, Glenn, uh, sorry, Glenn Moore, definitely Glenn Moore. Uh, lovely guy, lovely soft face, very, very funny, legit, very, very funny. Uh, I think you are all going to really enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as we will. Should we get straight to it? Let's go, 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 glow. This is episode 34 of Your Fest with Captain Sir Glenn Moore. <laughs> Yeehaw! Uh... Glenmore, welcome to Your Fest and to the Your Fest Planning Committee. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you. Good very to much have you. Glenn. Sorry. Um, just like the more and more we do this, I should probably ask have you, I think we have started to ask this a bit more, Johnny, haven't we? But have you ever been part of a planning committee before? Not a single one, ever. This is the first time I've ever been elected to the board, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> sure I've, I've run in the past but I've, I've never i've never fully made committee no, not even as like archivist or anything like feel? that one of a small right this honestly feels special it feels like a real <laughs> privilege and such a small committee as well <laughs> exclusive feels like, feels like a parish council some might say but with less arguments yeah absolutely mm. <laughs> um are you a fan of music festivals and have i am many and I haven't been to many. And I think that's what makes me a fan of them because I, I, I wish I wanted to experience more. I, I, 2020 was going to be the first year I was going to go to Glastonbury. That was the first year I was ever going to go. And I was so looking forward to it. And I really, I didn't want to sort of shy away from the main sort of camp atmosphere. I wanted it to be like the muddiest, most unshowered weekend just to experience it in the same way that you're sort of meant to. 
Um, and so it wasn't until about two years ago that I started, and it was only because I was gigging at Latitude that I started to go to Latitude. So that was, I did two Latitudes in a row and then the most recent Latitudes got canceled. So um, those are my first sort of experiences of them. And I, I love them, but again, it was, uh, you're sort of staying in the performers area, which is slightly different to staying in the main camp. And it's still, it's still a bit gross, but it's not as fully gross as you want to be. Um, and, you know, it's muddy, but it's not as muddy as you kind of like, I don't, I don't know why I want the worst part of the music festival. But I think it's just because it's like a badge of honor. I think the, fir yeah. the first, the closest things I'd ever come to experiencing music festivals were seeing Blur and Oasis in like in their final gigs, like 2008 or so. Um, and so I remember seeing Oasis at uh, Heaton Park. Yes. And it was such a long bill before that of like the enemy and Kasabian and stuff. It felt like a just specifically a one day festival in a field. And similarly with Blur, it was during like some uni summer holidays and I was trying to do any temp job I could just for the whole summer holidays. And I'd taken on a temp job that morning to be a dinner lady at a girls school. <laughs> and I, I and like lunch had just finished and a mate of mine texted me and he was like, I'm meant to see, be seeing Blur this evening. And I think, I think it was Hyde Park. So I'm meant to be seeing Blur this evening. Mates just dropped out, do you want to come? And so I just, quit the job like because it was only the one it was only like meant to be for one day but they were like try and stay till like 6 p.m and it was like two in the afternoon lunch had already finished so i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna go so i took off like the hairnet and stuff and just like got on the next train i could and rushed down to high park and that again it was like it was like vampire weekend florence and the machine then it was insane yeah. it was such a good lineup especially having like support acts that have since stood the test of time is always the exciting thing um but that obviously those are not festival experiences but on the day itself was like yeah, this you you take that whole afternoon evening experience as a festival thing. They kind of are. They kind. I. I. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got two questions. One is, first of all, how long was your hair, and was the hairnet compulsory? The 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 hairnet was purely purely for cosmetic purposes. They offered it to me, and I was obviously <laughs> going to take my, my hair was about as long as it is now, which is just just fairly long and shaggy. It wasn't like the longest it ever got was nearly shoulder length, and it wasn't it wasn't that stage. So yeah. By talking for the listeners who can't see, Glenn, it's uh, I'd say. Uh, maybe a Yanis from Foles sort of glory is like that sort of quiffy, yeah, but yeah, not short back and sides, but nice and two, thick. And 2009 lost. indie mixed with a sort yes. of floppy Notting Hill. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 Um, my second question, well, mm. not question, but I went, funnily enough, I went to both of them as well. How old would you have oh, been? Really? I was, wait, two, it was, Two thousand. They were both two thousand and nine because Blur released uh, the documentary, the DVD around it, which is like one of my favorite like music documentaries as well. Yes. It was Blur's comeback, wasn't it? Because they did Glastonbury and then they did those Hyde Park gigs. Yeah, and it was Oasis's pretty much their their last gigs before the the whole guitar throne incident in in mm. Paris. Um, so I always say that Blur gig, it was a really sunny day. And you're right, it was Florence, wasn't it? Uh, Vampire Weekend, I think. It was a beautiful day in Hyde Park. And I was 19, staying with my sister, who would have been about uh, the age I am now, 29, 30 at the time. And I always say it's possibly the best gig. It's up there, like my top five gigs. It was thought, so good. Yes. I love I loved Vampire Weekend. So seeing Florence and Machine, realising that they sounded like an album live they just sounded like a recorded band live that that was great yeah. and then vampire weekend were great and i loved how much vampire weekend had misjudged the tone yeah. of i think of a british gig and that the keyboard player came out and he sort of went what a beautiful sunny day in london and it was like <laughs> oh man come on nobody talks like this yeah, um yeah. that that was that was special it, oasis i found a different experience because it was it was, so it was muddier it was colder i loved that element of it but also it was strange seeing like 
Oh, I, 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 I was so well, like one of not one of my earliest memories. One of my earliest music memories is of hearing "Don't Look Back in Anger" on the radio for the first time. And even as like however old I was, four or five, being just sort of like, oh, "That's a fucking banger. That's insane." Yeah. Um, and for some reason, assuming that Oasis fans were going to mostly be my age, but it was so weird seeing <laughs> mostly men in their mid to late forties, early fifties moshing. That was really strange to me. It was like seeing your dad naked or so. It was a really oh, weird yeah. thing. Like I'd never seen people in that age group act like my age group was usually acting. And that sounds really patronizing to say, but like that, that was, that, yeah, that was, that was a unique experience. But I was, yeah, I was 20 for both of them. Right, yes. they were literally they were literally like two weeks apart. I think. Yeah, they were, they were. And on, on the thing, like you couldn't contrast two gigs uh, like more. And I, I'd say it's probably the... Um, probably like the physical encapsulation of those two bands and their, <laughs> their different audiences. Yeah. And they're two bands I probably love equally. Um, obviously I live in Manchester and stuff, but, uh, but what I love about uh, the Oasis gig compared to the Blur gig, there were probably just as many people on cocaine or class A drugs at both. Mm. But at the Manchester, at Heaton Park, it's just uh, unashamedly doing it just in a field. Yeah. Well, Whereas well, the Blur one, there's a lot more queues for the toilets because no more people, <laughs> people are pissing in the toilets and they're doing their drugs in the toilets. Whereas at Heaton Park, people are pissing in the park and people are doing their drugs in the park. Yeah, the, fr- the friend I went with, we went with his identical twin. His identical twin got absolutely smashed and then thrown out the gig, I think, before Oasis. And the next day was like, best gig ever. That was the best gig ever because everyone was just so openly like that. But yeah, those, those were those were absolutely, yeah, honestly incredible. I, I thought that, that I, if that had happened over the course of a weekend festival, I still, I, I'm fairly certain that would have been the best festival experience I'd had. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Are there, were there going to be any steps between, you mentioned that you've done, you've camped in the performers area at Latitude, which yeah. I'm going to say is like your five metre swimming certificate. And then you were going to then go to Glastonbury, which is your open water swimming. Um, was there mm. any, ste- were there any steps between that or are those the two? No, Latitude was the first time I'd ever camped. I'd never slept in a tent before. I'd always wanted to. But I never ever had the cl- like we we never went on camping holidays when I was a kid. We went on like caravan holidays and stuff. Like any any like English at home holiday we went on was always in a caravan um, instead of camping. And I really really wanted to try it. And uh, so yeah, my girlfriend and I went to because um, I was I was hosting the co- the comedy arena at Latitude for like the weekend. So we we went up on like the Friday night. And then, um, you know, we sort of hung out with people for a bit and then we're like, we should probably pitch the tent. But we started pitching the tent as it was getting dark. And then I realized I got a text from one of the guys in Pappy's. It may well have been Matthew Crosby, who you've, you say you've had on before. Um, and I was meant to be doing Pappy's show at Latitude that evening. And I was sort of running late for it. So I had to just really apologetically say to my girlfriend, I'm, re- I'm on stage in like 10 minutes. I'm so, so sorry. And, um, and she had to pitch the tent in just full darkness in oh, Suffolk and I God, felt so yeah but, but I, I've, I've, I've worked very hard to try and make it up since then but <laughs> I liked it I enjoyed waking up absolutely scalding hot at 6am I like that I like it like, last year is a really nice summery festival when it feels dusty it doesn't it's like it's not like a muddy festival it's like you've gone to like some sort of desert sort of festival which is cool not in the same way as like Burning Man or anything like that but it's like it's an it's a nice atmosphere but it's it feels very not tame it's just latitude's quite calm isn't it yeah, it's yeah. not as frantic as sort of other ones. I saw like uh, the killers were headlining when I last time I went, and it was just gentle. It was nice. Everyone was having a nice time. Yeah, I I, um, I was thinking about well, compared to Glastonbury as well, and Glastonbury 
I would say. I've been three times and I've been on both ends of the spectrum uh, climate wise. And when it's wet, there is nowhere wetter or muddier. Mm. But when it's hot, like it is, it's like, and I've been to Benicassim abroad, it's as bad as that, you know, it's a bloody like dust bowl. Um, but what I was going to say is, are you, what's the situation with tickets? Like, I've, I think, have they announced they've cancelled it this year? It's not going to be on this year anyway, is it? It's not on but this year. No. Can you hold on to it till like next year? Have you still got your ticket that you had for? I can't remember. I can't remember what situation it, it, we're in because a, a friend of mine was dealing with the tickets in the first place, so I I sort of did it through them. So I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Like in many ways, I should really chase them up for my for my money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a logistical question. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You. <laughs> Thank you for your concern. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so I like I and I don't know if like you know if it then goes ahead next year, will I be in a position to be able to go? I don't know. I really want to though. I really well the lineup. Kendrick Lamar, isn't it? Kendrick Lamar, Paul McCartney, Taylor Swift. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. So Which, yeah, I do. I do want to. I, I really, really want to go. How can you hold like? And that's something I've been thinking about. Will I think they maybe would have been able to hold on to those three for another year, but to you know, you don't know what the the three probably three of the top ten biggest artists in the world, aren't they? So like, go on, John. Paul McCartney's already died once, so there's that risk. Oh, of come yeah, yeah, on. yeah. If you've got an artist in your eighties and you're sort of planning ahead for three years while <laughs> there's a disease going on, that's it's optimistic. <laughs> I can get Ringo instead. He'll he'll outlive all of them. We'll be Fuck left with know. the drummer. Yeah. My dad. Just, my dad. He'll come on stage and do it. Sorry, he'll come on stage and do a live uh, narration of any Thomas the Tank Engine episode. Thomas <laughs> came. <laughs> Thomas came rolling down the track at Glastonbury. Um, <laughs> Every day, the fat controller came to the station to catch his train. Hello, he always said to Thomas. Remember, don't be impatient, Thomas. You can never be as strong and fast as Gordon, but you can be a really useful engine. Don't let the silly trucks tease you. But he, uh, my dad sat next, sat next to Paul McCartney at a, uh, it's really weird. He had this mate, shit, I should remember his name because uh, he was his best Don friend. Lennon. Yeah, that was it. That was my <laughs> yeah. dad's mate. Yeah, yeah. Also not dead. Um, <laughs> it, but he went to two FA Cup final. Well, he used to go to the FA Cup final every year and they used to go to the Ashes and all sorts. He, this, this bloke just used to get, his best mate used to get really good tickets. And he... Bless him. When me and my brother were old enough, he stopped. He could bring one of us, but he just stopped going because he wouldn't. He didn't want to choose one of us, which is really nice. But also, like, idiot, I would just keep going. One of them, he sat next to Samat Busby and shared his quilt with him, which is you know, amazing. Yeah. The other one, and he's a Man United fan. And uh, the other one, he sat, he was even near or next to Paul McCartney. And he said, he said about Paul McCartney, he's like, I've never seen skin like it. It was like... You know, like not a normal human skin. He's like, I don't know what those celebrities. Get. Is, it, is it that sort of millionaire skin? Yes. Is, that, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember being a roving reporter for a radio station about ten years ago, and uh, there, the, I think it was like the secret millionaire or something had been at, uh, been working like had been undercover at like a care home or something like that. So he was there doing interviews on the day that he'd sort of been absolutely, and just it was just a different complexion of any of any human I've ever seen, and just the the general sort of. And I really wanted to sort of. I wish like. I wish you could use the app Shazam for like people's aftershaves and stuff like that without having to like <laughs> yes. directly ask them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, oh my God, it's what so, a good idea. But I think with, I, I find it really surreal when people sort of say they've seen someone like Paul McCartney at a football match because I just, does he not have to have like a security detail? 
wherever he goes. I, I find it really strange when they're just out in public. I, I find because I went for a really long walk in the first lockdown. I just I mean, ended up in um, St. John's Wood, Abbey, Abbey Road sort of area. And Paul McCartney lives around the corner from Abbey Road, and that's something that's very yeah, actually. You can just you can just look up his address. Um, but I found it weird that you could just go down his road, and there's his house. And yeah, you could try and walk up and drive everyone to his. <laughs> but like, he's just Paul McCartney's just there, and I find oh. that really you feel like you should live in a country that we're not allowed in or something. But, yeah. but what's weirder about Paul McCartney's road is the road next to his is a private gated road that you can't go in. So it's like, <laughs> well, who lives there? He must be fuming. Who lives there? Who's bigger? Who's bigger? No one. No, I fucking. No, no Who's bigger? One. Who's alive? No the only person no I can think of who isn't no is, is Genghis no. Khan. No, I don't think. I don't think even Genghis Khan touches McCartney really in terms of like global fame. But yeah, that's. I, I, I don't know why I've not asked, but I'm a massive. Weirdly, um, underneath this, uh, where I'm recording this, we, me and my housemates are doing a Beatles jigsaw. Nice. Um, which is like, you know, the second Death Star where it's kind of half constructed. It's yeah. <laughs> um, but I've not asked, as a massive, massive Beatles fan, I've not asked him. Uh, so as soon as I finish this, I am going to call him uh, about that because he used to go in the boxes. So I don't know. But yeah, my dad just said normal sort of bloke. And I think this second story about Paul McCartney, I, have, I might have told this podcast before, but I'll tell it quickly. My nan's a massive Beatles fan. And... Um, this is in the 60s, you know, height of Beatlemania. <clears throat> Excuse me, 60s or 70s. And my, her and my granddad uh, just walking along in London. They've gone for a trip down to London. See Paul McCartney. She's too shy to like go up to him. I think he might have been with Linda at the time. And too shy to go up to him. So my granddad just goes over politely and says, and they're from Shrewsbury, like quite a small sort of Middle England town. Uh, like, and they're, you know, very working class and stuff. Goes up and says, can I, you know, have an autograph for my wife? And uh, Paul McCartney says, oh, no, sorry, man, you know, um, just don't want to cause a scene, man, you know, don't want uh, everyone else to run over. <laughs> and so my grandma's like, come on, please. And uh, he's like, no, I'm sorry, mate, like, just carries on walking on. <laughs> my granddad goes, hey, everyone, it's Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's yeah. like the great escape. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I once, uh, on, on a similar scale, once walked past Darrow Breen, uh, <laughs> similar levels to Paul McCartney, once walked past him and made the gesture of, can I have a photograph? And he just shook his head and sped up walking. So next time, Glenn, you're on Mock the Week. Hmm. You can mention that to him. You can bring that up. Okay, uh, all right. I've never I forgotten about it. I, d I had a similar thing with, uh, I, I was on a tube, this is about five years ago, I was on a tube and Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones was sat Obviously, oh, wow. so it was as Game of Thrones was getting like sort of massive, and um, I just sort of like looked at him, and I, I must have accidentally conveyed in my facial expression, "Are you?" And he gave me a look as if to be like, just, like because it was a packed tube, and no one noticed it was him. But he gave me a real like the most subtle shake of the head I've ever seen. It looked like a little twitch of like, "Don't, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, man, come on, man, don't say anything, don't say anything." Okay, your secret's safe with me. Again, for the list of uh, Glenn is just barely moving his head and the eyes it's more of the eyes isn't it the eyes are kind of going left and right yeah anyway glenn we're here to talk about your dream yeah. music festival as well so to begin with we're going to need a name for it and a location sure i think um so uh, as as the only festivals i've been to have been uh multiple latitudes um and that's in suffolk i think norfolk could do with one um Ooh. because it's an area of very uh, flat open land and you could have 
an absolutely colossal festival. The only issue would be getting there and back again, but it's got multiple transport routes in and out. You couldn't get a train, but if one of your mates has got a car, you're, you're sort of getting in and out of Norfolk, I think. What I like about that as well is it almost like Glastonbury being in the middle of nowhere. If you really, it, it's going to be for the dedicated heads, isn't it? Because if you really yeah. want to go, it's a, it's a bloody effort to get to, to Norfolk. So. Yeah, you know what people say about like, if you've got the you know if you've got the flu instead of a cold because like the way you see it is like if, if there was 50 pounds on the other side of a room, would you go over and get it? And it's like, <laughs> if you knew Paul McCartney was in Norfolk right now, would you go to Norfolk? <laughs> and so you only get the most dedicated people. Now in terms yes. of a name, uh, I figured in a, in a very uh, self-centered way, we call it Moortown um, because uh, it, it would potentially uh, confuse people in an entertaining way who think that it's a festival of uh, Motown, but in a regional accent we've never heard before. Um, but the festival potentially wouldn't even necessarily have any Motown. So, you know, we'd, 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 for sure we'd get a few disappointed customers, but they couldn't really complain because, you know, the person who's, who's put the festival together is me. Uh, that's in, my name. In, in Norfolk as well, it means we can, uh, if we need some sponsorship, Coleman's Mustard, coin that Coleman's yes, Mustard money. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, really happy with that. Isn't... Uh... Shit, what I can't even remember the name of the brand now. Uh, what's Partridge always reference? The turkeys. The... Damn it, it's going to be the, tur- the turkey. Bernard, Bernard, Bernard Matthews. Bernard Matthews. Bernard Matthews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to until I used to get Bernard Matthews, and this is the worst comparison you can make. I used to get Bernard Matthews and Bernard Manning mixed up, and for some reason, on multiple occasions in my adult life, referred to Bernard Manning's turkey ham. <laughs> More, more gammon with the... Yeah, no. <laughs> say, you beat me to it. Lovely. <laughs> um, I just have a fundamental mistrust of uh, their sausages as well because they they specialise in tur- uh, turkey, chicken. It's turkey. It's definitely turkey. turkey. They, yeah. they do turkey sausages, which is just... That's not the shape turkey should be in. That's no, strictly that's pork. True. Yeah, fair, fair. I'm with you on that one. Um... <laughs> Also, uh, I don't know, this is total, a total, uh, yeah, well, I'm just going to say, is any, well, Johnny, you're a vegetarian. Uh, yeah. you, you'll, you'll have tried the Richmond veggie sausages, have you? Yeah, I'm not a fan of them. Oh, they're I love two, them. Oh, they are sausages. amazing. Oh, wow. So you yeah, they, feel, they feel like they're for someone like myself, if like you're attempting to give vegetarianism a go, then they, they make sense. They're there to sort of replicate the... I do, I do think it's an odd thing with lots of vegetarian meats that they try and replicate the the texture and the taste of what like because sausages do it best usually because the problem with like corn chicken or something like that is is it's it's trying to taste like chicken whereas what i like about veggie sausages is they're not trying to be a pot sausage they're their own thing they're filled with herbs and stuff like that it's in the shape yeah, of a sausage yeah. sure but it's a different thing and i find it really weird when you get like a a beetroot burger or something and they're like and it actually bleeds and you're like why well, didn't i didn't want i didn't want that from a yeah. from a real burger yeah, I find that weird, actually. Yeah, you, I, I suppose you're right. Like, I used to be veggie. I'm not anymore, but um, lockdown broke me. But um, I do eat those sausages, those Richmond sausages. But I suppose, like, like you say, John, the reason you don't like them is, you know, they do actually taste like meat. Best, best veggie sausages are cauldron veggie sausages. And I found out recently that cauldron are owned by Quorn. So that's, uh, you know, it's like when you find out that like Pringles are, uh, are owned by um, Armand Hammer, which is a weird thing because they make toothpaste. Really? And then, um, mm. The second best ones are uh, Linda McCartney, your, Linda your McCartney, granddad's great. mate, Linda McCartney. Yeah, they're good. Um, well, you know, welcome to the savoury, savoury vegetarian <laughs> uh, podcast. Um, Glenn, what days of the week would you have? 
But what three days a week would you have for the festival over? Uh, I was thinking about this. This, this. this required a lot of thought from me. And usually it's an arrival on the Thursday, isn't it, for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday festival. And I think it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I nice. think that's the best timing to go. You've got to take a lot of time off work. So again, it's the most committed people and freelancers who are going. Yes, but thank you. I think the uh, I, I think Wednesday would be tame enough. That you'd be about you'd be able to travel up on the Wednesday, so you don't need to take the Tuesday off. Like you can just you travel up on the Wednesday during the day. It's only a Wednesday evening thing. Then you've got all of Thursday. Then it culminates with that living for the weekend Friday. Hard fire on the bill, by the way. But like you, it has that excellent sort of Friday feel at the end, and then you you get to go back home on a Saturday and then you've got Saturday night. I, I'm, and I'm saying this, uh, this, I, this has only just struck me now, but this, the, the last time I was doing the comedy stage at Latitude, I was doing it on the Saturday and I was doing like, I was hosting the, the stage from like midday till six. It was a really, really long shift. And um, as soon as it's finished at six, I can't remember who the headliners were, but I, th- I was like, you know what, I might, I could just probably get home. And I was home by like nine o'clock and it was 9 p.m. on a Saturday. And I was like, I've still essentially got the full weekend. Oh, so I think coming great. back from a weekend with essentially the entire weekend ahead of you is the best feeling. A mistake so many people make when they go on holiday is to get a flight that comes back on like Sunday evening and then they've got work the next day. Like you always give oh, yourself a little right. day true, booster right. in between and a day, a day to just remind yourself how great the festival was. Oh. So you don't just sit at your desk on the Monday, just like, man, my life is demonstrably worse than it was 24 hours ago. Well done. I, I really, I haven't given a round of applause. Oh, thank you very much, Tony. I appreciate that. Thank uh, you. But, Johnny, do you agree or do you disagree? Yeah, I agree with that. It gives you plenty mm-hmm. of time to upload all your pictures onto Facebook as well that you've taken. Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, your, with, yeah, your, yeah. with your digital camera. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, big time. Make some space for the uh, New Year's Eve fireworks as well. Those can all stay. <laughs> Watch those back, reminisce in June. And Corfu 06. Enjoy playing soldiers and wanking over Dobby on Facebook. For God's sake, Jeremy, that's disgusting. Did you ever actually, uh, well, you know, on occasion? Corfu 06? It's cool, man. I mean, I've never actually gone that far myself. But everything's cool in Dobby Club. Oh, with a Dobby Club or the Dobby Ring. Can two people be a ring? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh,. No, what I like about that, I always get sleep paralysis after festivals, which is, I've, I've, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. Um, I um, So I've had sleep paralysis anyway since I was a kid. And when I was a kid, this is, you know, this is quite uh, dark, but I, I used to think like there was a demon in my room because I had no fucking idea what was going on. Like you feel like you've been, you know, I don't know if you guys have had sleep paralysis before. But, no, never before, no. Oh, it's horrible. But I don't get it anymore. But I all, every festival I've ever been to, uh, which, you know, I've probably been to about 20 or something, every single one gets sleep paralysis out, like, for the next couple of days, which is just, ugh, absolutely gross. So that weekend, nice little weekend, which I think I just chill. I think I watch Maps of the Day, you know. I think I just yeah. go, go home, have a cup of tea, watch Maps of the Day, recover from my sleep paralysis, then go back to work on Monday. And also, Johnny, I don't think we've ever had those days before, have we? No, and uh, you wouldn't have to get out of bed, or you couldn't get out of bed with your sleep paralysis. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was tr- in my head, I was trying to work out what it could possibly be that's caused the sleep paralysis, and I was like, wow, is it the effect for me? And I've just realised, oh, it's dr- drugs at fest. It's got to be that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm past those days now. Uh, but yeah, the, <laughs> that's what it was. It was, it was ecstasy. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, if you're listening, mum and dad, which you will be, uh, I'm a good boy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, what's Wednesday at Moortown looking like for us? 
Are you? Do you mean in terms of like the headliners or just during the day? And uh, you, you can interpret any way you wish. I feel I've, 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 I've divvied out the days separately and I've tried to interpret them, interpret them as and basically try to give myself the festival I wish I'd been able to attend in like 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Because no. that's when I, that, that would have been when I'd been best suited to go to festivals. I never went, never went to Reading, never went to Leeds. I wish I had been able to. This feels like a very old Reading lineup or it feels like an old Leeds lineup, okay? But it's because it's like, th- these aren't the bands I'd necessarily want now, but I'm like, this is what 2008 me definitely wanted. To peak you, yeah. Exactly. Peak so Wednesday is throwing you into it fully. It's, it, okay, it's, 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 loud and it's dated and these are bands that aren't ever discussed but supporting the headliners okay so either on like the second to main stage or just be- or on the main stage just before the right we've got late of the pier We're talking real enemy cover bands, but in that sort of like yeah. uh, very specific skinny jeans and t-shirts covered in paint. I think that was that, that's what it was, and I loved I loved Late of the Pier so God. much. There, there. That album, uh, it's incredible, isn't it? What's it called? Something fancy. Uh, fancy, uh, fancy Black Mirror. Oh my Sorry, god! Sorry, Fancy Black Channel. Sorry, that's Fancy it. Black Channel. They only did what the thing about them. I don't put them in that bracket of like. Uh, Claxons when they were overhyped and they tried to do two or three more albums. Late the Pier did one perfect album. Which was genre defying. They did one perfect album and then they fucking left it. it and it, I still one of my top 10 albums of all time. Oh, I'm... it's so, it is so good. There are so many different individual great songs on that album. Yeah. And like it, the singles are great because the singles were like Heartbeat, <coughs> Space in the Woods, yeah. Faster and Gurgle. It is incredible. It's such a good album, but it's so of its time. And I think if a band released it now, you go, what are you doing? <laughs> because they, they, because, they, because those, those sort of like enemy cover bands, it, feel, it feels a shame that so many of them were just, it's because they were all bundled together at the same time that they, a lot of them weren't sort of given time to breathe and they all had to try and compete against each other. So you had loads of ones which are generic, like the Wombats and Pigeon Detectors that just felt like they vanished. But if, if they'd just been given more time and space, like that's that, that's when you end up with a band now, like the Vaccines, because the Vaccines back in like 2007, you feel wouldn't necessarily have survived amongst that throng. Sure. But at the moment, there's nothing else really like them around. And yeah, yeah. bands like the Arctic Monkeys have changed their sound so much, you can't really sort of compare those. So um, yeah, late of the period, definitely. But in, in my opinion, the support app. This is, this is for two thousand and eight. Me and I loved them, and they were one of the first bands I saw at uni. I saw. I think it was on consecutive oh, I nights. Saw I saw. Like, I saw Dan Lasack and Scroobius Pip, and then the oh, next wow. night I saw late of the pier and i i was slightly put off by i was i i came away a bit disappointed by late of the pier because they're amazing live but i realized having only ever heard them and never seen them that i was stood there on the dance floor and i was just like 
they're literally my age. And that just made me go, ugh. Like, <laughs> your lyrics seem really weird now. Like, I thought I thought they were like older and like, oh, cool, and they'd see more of the world. And I was like, no, this is like, if I tried to write that, you haven't experienced any of this shit. You haven't gone to space. <laughs> but if you were 27, you legitimately might have gone to space. Yeah, and like, because I've got, I've got a really funny thing about like, I, I, like, I get really weird about the ages of people. Things like I feel, I sometimes feel silly about enjoying music made by people younger than me, which is so dumb because oh, like, yeah, I'm now yeah. older than the Beatles were when they broke up. And it would be dumb <laughs> if I was like, now I can only listen to Ringo solo stuff from the last 20, <laughs> if that was my rule, you know? Yeah, yeah. And eventually just cutting yourself off from every single band. But I found that quite difficult. Cause like, I, I even in like my early twenties, I remember like periodically at the age of like, say like 23 or whatever, going on like the, like again, to use an example, like the Beatles, going on the Beatles Wikipedia and just going, Right, how old were they? Right, for 23, so that's when Hard Day's Night, fuck, okay, so they'd written Hard Day's Night. Okay, so I've still got like two years to write my own Sergeant Peppers. Okay, that's fine. But then that, that yeah. just slowly passes you by, and then you sort of go, right, we're reaching Let It Be Naked territory, and it's, it's, we're running out of time. Bill Spencer's um, getting involved now. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was, I, I felt disappointed, I don't know why I felt disappointed and weird that they, that I was uh-huh. sort of the same age as them. But you, you, you mentioned them, you mentioned them a few minutes ago. That the the headliner in a similar vein to Late of the Pip, very very similar here, but the Claxons would be the headliners purely oh, on the basis that they were just a bigger name. I think Late of the Pill were better. Yeah, I agree. But Claxons, Myths of the Near Future had you know Golden oh, Scans, amazing album. Atlantis amazing. to Interzone. Use especially when I was like this is when I was like 18, 19 years old. So I was only like one or two years out of school, one or two years out of music lessons of being around that keyboard that went uh 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 DJ like that, and to have that in a song. Scene, you know? Yeah, it was like this. It, it felt like they were taking the piss by doing that, and they were. It was mad. Like, yeah, you sort of. And they won. The they won the Mercury Prize. That is a fantastic album as well. And I went to the. Do you remember the Enemy? They used to do the Enemy Awards tour, which mm. was like in. Uh, Jan- I think it was like January, February of the year. And I saw the. I went to the new rave one, which was, Claxons. Uh, who else was playing? I think it was like white lies even though they weren't really rave oh, wow, just okay, like, yeah. yeah but claxon's life was fucking mental I, you know what a weird one i went to i think it was 2009 the enemy awards saw uh was glass this i'll go down in the order this is how mad it was how wrong kind of the enemy got it uh in terms of like prospects glass vegas were headlining right friendly fires were on just before them i thought friendly fires were great and brilliant brilliant band. They were, they were amazing live uh, before them, White Lies. This is all in the same bill. Before White Lies, Florence and the Machine opening oh, up okay, to yeah. Birmingham Academy. About 25 of us in there. And I remember her manager, we were going fucking mad for her because she was just like, there was, you know, we, we'd we got the train from Shrewsbury and we, you know, when you're that age, 16, something, you, you just want to make the most of the whole mm. night and see every band, buy every T-shirt and stuff like that. And it was just literally 25 of us. And she was doing like kiss with a fist and just running around, like running around the Birmingham Academy. And imagine just like, are oh, you into it? Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, take a card. But like we're a fucking MySpace page. <laughs> um, so it wouldn't have been 2009. It must be like, I don't know. Anyway, whatever year it was. Um, and you could say, actually, arguably that order, you could probably flip reverse it. 
and that would be the, the biggest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Las Vegas, I think, still get a look in, but I feel like a great, good, also a great band. Yeah. And I've I've never been a big fan of Las Vegas. I've got to say, but I've got I've, they they seem to have stood the test of time, despite the fact that not many people can name many of their songs at all. Yeah. Really, and at a all. song that was think... a woman's name, didn't they? Is that right? Geraldine? Geraldine and Daddy's Gone. They were the two. Big Daddy's get yeah. I, I get mixed up with Cortinas. I think that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a mistake I made. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right I look there. forward to any tweets I receive. Um, so that's the Wednesday. The Wednesday yeah. is is loud and it's throwing you love into it. it. I love it. With Claxons, do you remember their yeah. performance at the Brit Awards with Rihanna? And oh my a, god! It was, yes. of, it was a mashup of Umbrella and Golden Scans. I yeah. think. Fucking hell! I remember watching it. Yeah. Did that even work? That <laughs> was it? shit. Was it really bad? <laughs> so you could get Rihanna on stage with Claxons, I suppose, if they wanted to do that again. I bet she doesn't remember that. Would have to be prompted, <laughs> and it would. She'd think that was a fever dream she'd had. There can't be any way she'd remember that. I thought I drunk that job. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> Wait, live. Because also, uh, the, the, did you say the Brit Awards? Yeah. Yeah, so it's the Beats Golden Scans and then. Fact, just the there. beats aren't the same at all. There's a bit completely different. But it seems weird that Classen's got to look in because I feel like you never. The most. Like the Brit Awards, you occasionally get like one rock group making it through, like the Arctic Monkeys or the Killers. That's as far as you get. I and mean, then occasionally you'd get like. I'd, before that, it was what? Just the Darkness and Franz Ferdinand were the only <laughs> bands that had like guitars who'd make it onto, yeah. Like Ed Sheeran would win like the Heavy Metal Award or something like that. <laughs> so it's it's really the Claxons. I'm surprised about it. I mean, well done them for making it onto the Brit Awards. Well, the enemy had so much power back then, didn't they? I, th- I think like. Yeah. Go on, Johnny. One, one of the Claxons is married to Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley, yes. Really? Oh well, he's okay. Well, he's doing he's doing fine then. I mean, financially, yeah. presumably, he's presumably they've got a, a very least joint fu- bank account. Yeah, made a lot of that five minutes of fame to his advantage. I think. Fair play, <laughs> fair play to him. Good on him, I say. Um, Do you reckon at their wedding, um, everyone was sort of sat quietly, and then suddenly, like the bit in Love Actually where they start singing Love Letters, so people start going, <laughs> and then like everyone stands up, and then like eventually the band stands up, and it's someone with a keyboard going DJ. <laughs> Well, that got me thinking when I, Sorry, Joey. That got me thinking when I found out that about we, other weird relationships between musicians and other people. So mm. Travis Barker, the drummer from Blink-182, has yeah. just announced that he's dating Kourtney Kardashian, which is weird. Right. And then, And then the twins from Good Charlotte, one's married to Nicole Ritchie, and the other one is married to Cameron Diaz, and that's weird. Cameron what? Diaz? Really? He's, yeah, he's married to one of the twins from Good Charlotte. All right, BuzzFeed. <laughs> that's really many stop and think though, to be fair. I haven't, real. those haven't sunk in for me at all that's mad Courtney but... Kardashian and Blink-182 that feels like a quite a tremendous age gap between them doesn't it isn't he significantly older or have I got the wrong he's... Kardashian I feel like there's 20 years he's got a young them. spirit 
<laughs> Young at heart, so yeah, still singing songs about boners. So, oh, okay. um, I I also had a scenario just just if we're if we're you know if we're spitballing with the whole uh, wedding scenario, the love actually thing. One of the horrors turning up at her door, like with the... <laughs> <laughs> holding a sign that says "Say it's say it's a new rave band." Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Faris Rotters there. <laughs> right. It's just Crystal Castle. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. give an iTunes voucher and tell them to bugger off. <laughs> oh, right, Thursday, Glenn. I wish I'd said Crystal Castles now in the lineup. That'd be so good. I'll <laughs> oh, stick them in. They can. Thursday. They can well, Thursday. Thursday's a slightly different vibe. Thursday's still. It's still. It, we're still. We're still in the two thousand. The whole festival's the festival two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Love it. And these are bands. The the the, the, the second the second in command, and then your then your, your main stage headliners are, are are two that I feel just vanished to the point where even if you went on Wikipedia, it just cuts off abruptly. As in sort of like the band are currently enjoying great. I mean, it just that's it. <laughs> so the second basically the, 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 just below the headliners on the uh, on the on the second night. So we're, we're looking at Thursday evening here. Are the future heads. This is a brand new problem, a problem without any clues. If you know the clues, it's easy to get through. But you look confused and you don't know what to do. It's hard to give an answer if you haven't got a clue. They were great in 2008, and now, obviously, things you know, with with 13 years on, would just be the now heads. And they, <laughs> but and I, I think as well, there are two bands. Who, well, this one and the headliners are ones where I fell in love with like the debut album and couldn't stop playing it to the point where I then ignored the second album because I was like, why do I need a second album? I've still got the first. I couldn't tell you. I don't think I've ever listened to the Future Head second album, which was like mm-hmm. something about news. I can't remember what it was. No, I, I no no memory of that when that was released or anything like that. But just I remember seeing the Future Heads the first time I saw them was being advertised on like a TV ad break. It was like during the ad break for like the X Factor or something like that, and it was for Hounds of Love coming out as a single. Um, and that was, that's, that was that's honestly fantastic, like amazing cover, amazing cover to the point where I think it's fine to listen to both that and the Kate Bush original back to back and not think you're listening to the same song. Um, But even on elsewhere now, I mean like Decent Days and Nights is so catchy. They were so, so catchy. Um, And And I I guess who the headline band is based on what you said. I don't think you will because I don't think it's not as similar as like late of the period classics. But if you're you're on the lines that just vanished, give it a go. Who are you going to say? No, I was going to say just the North East thing. I was going to say Maximo Park. That's who I was going to say. No, no way. Okay. So I loved Maximo Park, but not as much. Like I found in Maximo Park, it was just 
a bit like feeder it was like it was just the singles it was just the singles that were great and then the future heads the album held up a lot outside of it every it, they felt almost a bit like i'm not comparing them to the sound or quality of blur but it felt the same in that every song felt really original and from a different type of album and they, they had their own particular sound but every song just felt like it was coming from a different the subjects of the songs were really interesting. I mean, some of the songs were a bit crap, like the robot one, but like first day about being a temp in an office, it was just, they're just, in, they're just decent angles for songs. None of it felt repetitive. And it was just a really short album, but just so many like, so many songs didn't really hold up over the course of like two and a half minutes, but you'd find like a f- five second, really catchy bits where you almost wanted to just rewind and just listen to those, <laughs> just listen to the five second snippet over and over again. The future heads were amazing, but again, Brilliant I've got no idea what happened to them. So I, I don't. All right, I don't think you'd, you'd predict the headliner, but based based on the career trajectory, I think they had similar vibe. Pendulum. I did not expect that. Pendulum? The Australian, like, prodigy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were fucking amazing. And yeah. felt like they weren't... I know they were a drum and bass band, technically, but they just didn't feel like that necessarily. It felt like they were exactly half between rock and drum and bass, and that felt like a new sound in, like, 2007. And out of any drum and bass song I sort of heard over the course of, like, two years, Pendulum were the one where it was like, you could tell a Pendulum song straight from the off. And they had... It was just, like, really whiny, but in a catchy way. I think Slam was probably the first one I heard. And then didn't they remix, um, they remixed a couple of um, Prodigy songs. Did, uh, for the, uh, I think for the better. Tarantula and, uh, yeah. Tarantula, God, that was a banger. Um, but then they had also, I think just for creating such weird moments in uni nightclubs <laughs> and student nights yeah. where you're waiting for the drop in, uh, in any song, and they, but having to go through maybe two minutes of this is drum <laughs> and bass. That do you remember that? I think it was on. Was it, that was slam. Was it on Blood? That was the that, no, no. Slam had a different one. Slam, I think, had had wording, but it might have been. I think it might have been Basically, Blood Sugar. Oh, the, but then halfway through, goes sort of like, "Okay, I lied. It's drum and bass. What are gonna do?" <laughs> uh, but but there was like a minute and a half of just weird automated talking yeah. clock chat before the song started. So, had, yeah. so everyone was just sort of, just stood on the dance floor, sort of like, is this a song or a documentary? I don't know what this... And I, I like really, Adam, Adam Curtis documentary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was so surreal. And then actually, I've got to say, the follow-up album in Silico was really good because they had a few songs like Granite and The Tempest, which they, they, did, they suddenly didn't have the right, singles. Yeah, remember that. But the, so the st- album as a whole sorry. sort of held up pretty well. I think the start of Slam was, ladies and gentlemen, hold your colour. That might have been it, yeah, yeah. I think Glenn was saying, the thing with uh, Pendulum, and it's a similar thing with The Prodigy, was that they were the acceptable dance music for rock nights and- Yeah, propaganda. That's that's absolutely it, yeah. They were the the spiritual successors to The Prodigy. The only problem was, for them, The Prodigy still very much existed and was still going. (laughs) And I think it's quite hard to sort of take that crown. Um, So, and again, with me saying so far, Late of the Pier, Claxons, Future Ends and Pendulum, I don't want you to think, these are what I think are the best bands. <laughs> cannot stress that enough. But this is for 2008 me, and I no. owe I owe him that. I owe him that to give to give to give that festival like a weird Make a Wish Foundation festival <laughs> for, for a version of me who is still very much alive, 
and fine. It, it was it, that, it, that's the festival I sort of wanted to put together. So that's about. I, I, so the Thursday night ends just as loudly as the Wednesday one did. But it's, you're not uh, having any arguments from me because that's like this is so my sort of that this is my era. This is my generation of like halcyon days of of like my youth and but if you've so many memories from uni like like it, as soon as you said pendulum i'm just thinking of like and you and you describe the um you, you describe like the build-up and the drop and stuff yeah took me right back to like um sheffield propaganda friday night sheffield like were you, were you at sheffield yeah, Sheffield. So Howard. was I, and it's purely it's purely because of propaganda. Propaganda, yeah. Yeah, all, because all, all lead mill, all lead mill. Yeah, yeah I saw <laughs> a, I, I saw Pendulum at Propaganda, and they used to do the best secret gigs. Uh, yeah. Propaganda. They, uh, that's where I first saw the Future Heads. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. secret gig. Uh, then there was a Ting Tings, which was disappointing, but it was still a secret gig. Um, <laughs> but they, it was just every week. It was it was so great. I and mean, then I yeah, so I saw like like the Pier and Scroobius Pippin that at, at like the Sheffield Uni Students Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nightmare called Fuzz Club. Which stopped because it just wasn't popular enough. Which, yeah. was, which is that's that's the problem with India. It was kind of like that was the point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, propaganda was incredible. It was yeah, so the so academy. Good. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Who did I see? God, I saw Baby Shambles there. I Fuck saw the enemy. The Corp nightclub in Sheffield, which is like the ultimate. It's like Sheffield Satan's, but more savage. Um, Satan's is in Manchester, sort of mosher nightclub. Um, Corp is, I would just like to say, you know, shout out to Corp and I hope it survives the pandemic. If anywhere can survive like a parasite, it is Corporation Nightclub because £2.40, quad fod, iron brews, uh, you could go there with a five or a tenner and still have the maddest. Like, I'd the make a profit. Sticky. I would make a profit nearly yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah. It was mad. You, you'd pick up these like now purple stained coins off the floor. Oh, but the it was because it was because the student night was school uniform night. So as long as you put, as long as you just wore a white shirt and a tie, then then they'd let you in for free. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, it was like a full on like goth nightclub. It, there was no correlation between what they did. And someone I know lost a finger in court. <laughs> And he's really proud of this. He's really proud of this. He has no memory of the night out of court, but he woke up uh, in hospital and he was missing his uh, ring finger on, on one side. I can't remember which hand it was on. Um, oh, I'm and, not surprised. So, they, so they, he had no memory of it. So he, they rang up Corp and Corp were like, we've looked, but we can't find it. So, <laughs> like, so either someone took it home or it's still there. It's... It will be if I know Corp. It will just be molded within like the walls. Absolutely, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that slime in Men in Black. Just yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I I was supposed to go to uni in in Sheffield. I was supposed to go to Sheffield Hallam like Tommy did, mm. and then I had to have an operation on my knee, and so I deferred my place to Preston Uni, which is where I lived. Um, and Preston Uni has a horrible nightclub called the Warehouse. Nice. Um, which is three floors and it's most notable for Joy Division played a gig there, which was released oh. as a live oh, album. Wow. Um, Stone Roses played one of their earliest gigs there. And then Henry Rollins, who was the vocalist from Black Flag, Black Flag and then yeah. went on to present the American Scrap Heap Challenge. He, um, Did he? Got, Did he really? <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got punched in the warehouse when Black Flag were playing a gig there by a member of the crowd and swore blind that Black Flag would never tour the UK ever again. Because he got punched in oh, warehouse. Wow. Yeah, they did because he's a liar and a weirdo. But um, yeah, so there's Preston. One of the most, warehouse. one of the most intense guys. Like I'm, I'm not a big uh, 
I'm not a big Joe Rogan guy uh, per se, but you, you know, you see the old clip on YouTube, but I saw him a bit of him on Joe Rogan. I was like, he talks like this about everything. Yeah, he's, he's got a, a neck wider than his head. He's one of those sort of people. He's a very... Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, he's best mates with Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, who's a very, very skinny, bold man, and they're a very odd couple. Which I well, it's like me and you. Music unites them. Fugazi and Black Flag, I find interchangeable completely. Yeah, yeah, I'm still. It's like you know, I'm I'm all buff, Johnny. I'm you know. Yeah, and I'm, a, I'm a skinny, skinny, pale, uh, vegetarian <laughs> with yeah. ethics. So um, there we go. Anyway. <laughs> Friday, Friday night at Moortown, the closing night. Friday night, yeah. I d- now like? I've I've re- I feel like I've done this in the wrong order because I feel like tonally and in terms of just how mellow it is, this isn't this isn't how it's meant to be. Um, so it's a it's a it's a weird end to the festival. But you know what? Most festivals end on a Sunday night, and you feel like really is that the loudest night you're going to have? You know, people are going to travel back the next day. You know, so I found that for some reason, and it was it was completely coincidental that I think uh, when I really probably started getting into music, it must've been about 2005, 2006, from about 2004 onwards, when I really started to buy my own albums and, and care. Um, and it was around about the time my sister started watching the OC and I just flat out refused to watch it because she used to watch Dawson's Creek and I saw some of that and was like, this is so boring. And so I refused to. And then there was one time I was, I was just in the living room and my sister had the OC on in the background and it was in the second series of the OC where Marissa starts working at a bar that's um, yes. run by, uh, I think, Olivia Wilde. And um, I and I, they had like live bands on, like The Killers and stuff. Every episode would have like a live band playing at the bar and then in between scenes, they'd just cut to the band doing like a snippet of the song. It's basically like a weird way of advertising for the band. But every single week, it was an amazing, amazing band. Every single week. And so that, and so I feel like the Sunday night seems to be purely OC based because supporting <laughs> yes. supporting the main act of a block party. Oh, I think, you know, have stood the test of time, are great. A bit more mellow in certain areas, but I still have, like, some heavier songs. Fantastic. And a great. Fantastic first album as well. Like, yeah, Santa Alarm was was great. It was weird. They, they either had the main singles, which were all great, and then the rest of it was all a bit hazy and interchangeable. I felt like a lot of the songs blended into one, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but it felt like they had two separate sounds. And then, but, then they, they, but then they did that third album where they, you know, when they had... Um, oh, God, what was it? Uh, that... They had a mad song, like the singer was like some mad dancey song. Like they changed quite a lot as they as they went on. God, yeah, um, like, uh, oh God, I'm trying to remember the uh, flux. On,
Flux. There was, was Flux, great song. which was a single, which was in between. I that think, was that was outside of first. albums. Yeah, I always think that's a real statement of intent from a band when they release a single in between albums because yes. you go, oh, you're trying to be like you're showing off how prolific you are. Exactly. Yeah. But then usually what happens is they then chicken out, and two albums later, the single ends up in there. Um, yes, I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. Arctic Monkeys did this with Are You Mine? That, that was like two years before AM came out. And then they were like, I'll just put it in AM. It sounds it sounds insane. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a fucking banger as well. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. It was, oh, that was it. Um, it so it was Intimacy, the third album. And it, uh, Mercury, that was it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, quite a, you know, quite a left turn for Bob Pye. Yeah. And also, well, another thought I had quickly, just when you were saying about, uh, you know, all these great bands I have, I was thinking of the British equivalent, which was the young ones <laughs> having on Motorhead and stuff <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, Madness. They did, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, so go they, on, Johnny. That was, a, that was a big time for that, like, um, last during lockdown last year, we went through watching, oh, God, what's the basketball one called? That's like the OC and Dawson's Creek. Oh, my God. Uh, no, sorry. I was thinking of the awful sitcom on Trouble called Hang Time. It's not that. Um... Hang time, hang it together. <laughs> putting it on the line for hang time. I'll always remember. I know that. Wow, I was not expecting I... this. <laughs> yeah, my friends at hang time. We're tough. We're in the zone. Part of a team, never alone. Oh, you know um, it's a special episode when Johnny sings. You won't. You won't. What is? What is the name? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in the circle of trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's only sung for uh, Helen Bauer, I think, before. Uh. One Tree Hill. Oh, One Tree Hill. Thank you. Was it One Tree Hill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we watched One Tree Hill last um, summer, and they did exactly the same thing. But they're like, I think the OC went for like quite credible indie bands, a mixture. Uh, Like One Tree Hill were going for. um, So they had Fallout Boy um, just randomly turning up at their little bar and playing. You know, Sugar were going down and all the big hits like that. (laughs) You had City and Color, who um, were like an really emo acoustic band. I I remember that. Dashboard Confessional came and played. Oh there. my god! It's right, like very whiny. Death Cab. Um, oh, oh no, Death Cab in the OC. Death Cab in the OC. They're in that yeah, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that, uh, again, a bit more credibility. I feel with Death Cab. Yeah, definitely. I, I still listen to Death Cab a bit. But there, uh, there's a really <laughs> jarring, like, three episodes in um, One Tree Hill where it's quite obvious that Sunkissed the. Uh, Orange Not Tango Drinks Company mm. had put up quite a lot of money because there's just loads of people walking around in Sunkiss t-shirts and they're like they're here as part <laughs> not of not even drinking Sun-Kissed it tour. but just somehow yeah. working for the brand having t-shirts with Sunkiss on and it's really like re- it's very like um, chocolate orange is available from um, whatever from Alan Partridge it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. wedging it in and uh, we've got a good show lined up for you this morning do you like chocolate pardon do you like chocolate yeah, love I've it. I've really got to say this, Dave. Yeah. Um, chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinson's. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's 7am. Uh, and first of all, we got China Crisis. I've never worn a T-shirt with, a, like, a logo on it for any brand or anything like that since. And this was at Sheffield. This was at uni. They had this club night called Space that was at the Octagon Centre where they used to do, um, like, Valve and stuff like that. And uh, we went to the first ever night of space and uh, Carol from Big Brother was there one week and then the twins from that series of Big Brother were were on the following week. And they had these t-shirt cannons and they were firing out these t-shirts and I collected one, I caught one and it had space on it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Just like the nightclub we're at. And so the following week, I don't know why, my housemate got one as well. We both went to space wearing the space t-shirts and we got there and realized that there were plenty of other people wearing space t-shirts, but those were the staff. 
So the whole oh, no. evening we were having people just sort of being like, oh, mate, sorry, uh, could you, like someone's been sick in the toilets. And it was like, I come on, man, I'm just trying to have a good time. It was, so, I don't know what we were thinking. The idea that we both went along as single guys, like everyone's going to think this is really cool. <laughs> Oh, bless you. Sorry, it's pathetic. <laughs> Absolutely there's some, pathetic. There's some oh. places where being mistaken for staff is like a bit of a compliment. So like if you're at a Hollister or something like that, it's oh, like young, yeah, yeah, yeah. well-dressed, you know, quite buff. Yeah, because if you, if you work at Hollister, it looks like you model for Hollister as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They want you to dress in the clothes. That's cool. But or yeah, Abercrombie, but... like that sort yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. I was buzzing when I got a job. Uh, I, I, I worked at uh, Bookies for a year uh, out of uni and then I got a job at, at my, my next job after that. Uh, before I went into journalism, what I do now was at Urban Outfitters. I was like, oh, I must be. Uh... Anyway, got there. Stock room. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, no, you know, they say if you work at Urban Outfitters, you have to be, you know, you have to be yeah. cool and good looking. Yeah. Uh, stock room straight away. First oh, man. Thing. Cheers, guys. So I think Block Party, you mentioned. Uh... The second, the third album is it Intimacy? Is it say mm. that has my favorite album? On, uh, sorry, that has my favorite Block Party song on, which is One Month Off, which is really, yes, it's really, it fits mm. in sort of with the sort of dancey vibe of um, yeah. has the drum beat machine. That's a really good song, but uh, embarrassingly, it has the line "Fighting Fire with Firewood," which I thought was incredibly profound. Oh, um, and on my Facebook memories, at least about six or seven times a year from about. <laughs> From about 12 years ago, it will give you like Johnny Sharples is fighting fire with fire. Oh, no, 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 no. I feel this way about lyrics like took a left off last laugh lane, and you're like, that was it's like they wrote that for people's MSN screen names specifically. <laughs> or your or your Facebook status for you to look oh, back man. on 12 years later did, and did, go. No. Did you uh did you guys used to write your Facebook statuses in like so Tommy Stewart is Oh man, I mean, it made Facebook memories make sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They've made us look mugs. So it's like, what's on your mind? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it forced you to have is. So it was always like, so it would made you say Johnny Sharples is, and then you put your state. Did it in. force you? I thought yeah. I just wrote it. I thought I just wrote it. Right. Okay. No. Yeah. It's made I remember when it went stupid. the first. Yeah, I thought the it was first maybe time... a clump, to be honest. It <laughs> <laughs> was the first time that they took that off. Do you know what my Facebook status was? Johnny Sharples isn't. And he was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, hello. Smart <laughs> ass over here. Yeah, he's one step out of Zuckerberg. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough about yeah. my Facebook memories from 12 years ago. Headline, a final night, Glenn. I, 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 I've lost faith in this. I've actually lost faith in the, in the headliner. And it's, 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 it's again, it's very, they, they performed live on the OC stage, I think with the least famous band to ever do so and the most forgotten afterwards. And it's going to be so disappointing for everyone involved. And again, I'd be the only one having a good time at this festival because at this point, everyone, everyone's going to go, I think we'll probably shoot off and beat the traffic. The Walkman.
were my favorite oh. band up until I was about 26, I think. We were absolutely my favorite band for a good 12 years or so. I remember getting Bows and Arrows in 2004, which is like the second album. Really? And that had songs like The Rat. The Rat. And um, What's In It For Me. Little House of Savages. They were just so, so good. And I, 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 I love the fact that for like 10 years, I was like introducing so many of my friends to The Walkman and being sort of like, you know, having it on in the car and stuff, being like, oh, these guys are really cool. They're called The Walkman. They had like seven albums that I just thought got better and better and better. And I love them. And then like, as each year went by, I almost sort of enjoyed the fact that like, oh yeah, it's only me and a select group of people actually like this band. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, it's because they were shit. <laughs> it's because they were shit. They were really... They're not very good. They're out oh, of Bo, Bows and arrow. No, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think the rat is hot. The like, rat is incredible. I the think rat it's, is such a good song. the best like and i think it's kind of in hindsight i you know you see like um when they do like vice and noise and stuff to the landfill indie like list or whatever i still see that people just consider that probably the best song of that whole i i think it's the strokes are still a brilliant band but i think the rat is just it's better than probably anything the strokes libertines like as a one song it is that's a weird it. song. It's it, like composition wise, it's weird. Yeah, it, is, it doesn't yeah. really make any sense how it goes. It's really unpredictable, which is a good thing. And it's not, it's in no way my favorite song on the album. And I, what I liked about every album felt like, it's going to sound pretentious, but every season, every, every, every album has always felt like a season. And like Bows and Arrows felt really wintry. And I could only ever listen to it in winter. And then their yeah. follow up, uh, 100 Miles Off, I felt like I was at like a, a, a wedding in Louisiana in July. Yeah. And that, that every song felt themed like that. And the, the longer they went on, the albums got more and more critically acclaimed. And by the end, by the time I had albums like You and Me, which are actually are really decent albums, um, they'd stopped having like a certified, like that's a single of each album. So they, they became less and less well-known the further they sort of went along. Which- 
strange. They were getting better and better, but still, the I think it's purely because of the effect that that 2004 album Bows and Arrows had on me. Which I, I've just I've never listened to an album that much in my, and I right. probably haven't listened to it for about five years now. And I probably, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not in a desperate mood to listen to it anytime soon. Are they still together? No, no. They, 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 <laughs> their last album must have been about oh god i'm trying to think now heaven was the last album i reckon that was about seven years ago so they 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 lasted for about right. 10 years and they they put out about seven albums so like they they were fairly prolific yeah um but heaven was the last time where suddenly all, all every review was giving it at least like eight out of ten or whatever four stars whatever and, and but then yeah they've just been on an extended hiatus. i don't, I don't know what we're going to do now but um yeah, so in many ways, it's a really sad end to the festival, as everyone would sort of go, yeah, those guys were all right. What have they did? Oh, this was, okay, they, they, were, they were brought back out of retirement for one last job, and, uh, <laughs> oh, look, they're, they're actually part behind us. That's weird, isn't it? They just, well, we're going the same way home. I'm glad, like, this, like I said, it's very nostalgic, all this for me, and it's bringing back a lot of good memories. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, I'm a big fan of the Walkman, so, and again, I, I think, Johnny, have any of these been picked before? I'm trying to think. No, I don't, no, Pendulum has. Pendulum was picked by... No uh, way. Uh, was it Lauren Patterson? Oh, well done, Lauren. Had, yeah. Great stuff. I think stuff. she had them in combination with Prodigy, maybe. Yeah, she did, yeah. Right, right. that makes sense. Yeah, so totally. other than, yeah, other than Pendulum, Pendulum, yeah, they're all they're all original picks. So. Good. I mean, I doubt anyone else would pick that. I don't think <laughs> there are anyone else's favourites <laughs> at all. Nor are they mine. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't... Like, it's the, a good concept. Walk, for Walkman, by the end of a, if someone equates at the end of my life what my favorite band has ever been, it will probably be the Walkman, even though they're not now. It's just the way I felt about their music at the time. And it, and it made no sense because, as I said, their songs are composed in a very weird and original way, in a good way. But the singer is actively difficult to listen to at times. Some of the songs are actively grating, but these were songs I loved. They were just, they're just not easy listening. What's it the feels one? a bit like Mac DeMarco sometimes, where you sort of go like, yeah. oh, I feel like I've got to sit down and listen to this. Yeah, especially the later the the later his albums get, and probably like say more more critically acclaimed, like Matt DeMarco. But like um, those first two are just you know brilliant pop albums. But um, yeah. one thing I was going to ask is, do Phantom Planet get a like you know an obligatory sort of run out at least open in the day, seeing as it's a OC day? No, I don't. I don't think they do um, oh. <laughs> because they were just that that song. song. They were just that song. And it's, it is so, it's such a theme tune. It doesn't exist outside of the song. It's like, it's like if a band had the Curb Your Enthusiasm that you wouldn't, you, that's all you could associate it with. <laughs> or, or if a band, their main song was just the HBO sound. Like, they, they, <laughs> they, yeah, the, the only, I mean, I mean, Phantom Planet gave us Jason Schwartzman, you know, so we wouldn't have had a lot of Wes Anderson films without him. But, yeah. um, they're, they're not, they're, if you're listening, guys, you're nothing. You're dust. We fucking hate you. No, no, but like outside of outside of that song, and to be honest, it's a really good song, but diff- I don't even think it's on Spotify. It's actually quite difficult to find. It is, yeah. It's really I, hard to find. Yeah, but did they have an album? It's like LimeWire. I had it on LimeWire. Like I don't know. I don't know. If but the not. song is literally just the word California. There's no, re- the verses are, what, three lines? And yeah. then the, the chorus is just California. We've been on the run, driving in the sun, looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Well, hustles grab your to shadow, weighs a ton, driving down the 101. California, here we come, right back where we started from. 
It's great. It's really, it's, it's, a a, it's a fantastic song, but it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic theme tune. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, do you want to go through Glenn's festival for us? Glenn Moore, uh, yeah. your, your first festival is called Moortown. It is located in Norfolk because, you know, all the real dedicated festers and Moortown fans will make their way there. People who really, still- really want to see the future heads. You've <laughs> really got to want to hear Decent Days and Nights. If you want a decent day and night, come down to Moortown. It's uh, it's uh, original in the fact that it, he is, Glenn is our first guest to choose Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and for reasons I applauded and can fully back up. On Wednesday, we got a bit of a new rave day with Late of the Pier, the fucking brilliant Late of the Pier, actually. And if you've not heard him, listen to that album after this. Later, the peer supporting Claxons. Uh, Claxons as well. You should probably check out that YouTube video that we all forgot um, was in the. Uh, yeah, the, the somehow Johnny's remembered it. Claxons and Rihanna, uh, that, that happened. Thursday, we have the Future Heads supporting Pendulum in the most bizarre uh, lineup <laughs> since 33 or 34. It's, it's going to be such a mad dash when all the people who saw the Future Heads leave and all the people who want to see Pendulum come in. Those are two separate, it's just two separate Venn diagrams. There's no crossover at no, all. There's no, except for you. <laughs> And Friday, we've got uh, the brilliant block party uh, supporting the Walkman. Glenn Moore, thank you for coming on your fest, mate. Oh, I've had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. If if the future heads had a uh, Love Actually style wedding, they could all start with, oh, oh, oh. Yes! That was episode 34 of your fest with the excellent captain, Sir Glenmore. Um, a festival that I think, Tommy, you're really looking forward to. You were in your absolute element when, like, Late of the Pier got mentioned, yeah. Block Party and the Walkman got mentioned. There was one band that didn't get mentioned beyond Maximo Park, who we thought were both thought would. And I was thinking about these the other day. And Hadouken, yes. I thought would get a mention, but they didn't. Very surprising that they didn't. And you know what, Johnny? Uh, our listeners can't see it. Maybe I'll put out a picture at some point. Uh, I'm wearing, kind of accidentally, I'm wearing like a, yellow, a luminous yellow Lacoste uh, cardigan and a cap. I could look, I could be a member of Hadouken right now. Do you not think? Or Claxons? I'll be honest, you could quite easily be a member of Hadouken and I don't know enough about them to know that you're not. <laughs> so, And it's just never come up in conversation before. <laughs> I actually am, yeah. I wasn't going to mention it. Um, but no, seriously, that was, uh, that episode was uh, brilliant. And that... As soon as we recorded, um, I'm sorry to disappoint the listeners, this isn't happening now, even though we pretend the intros and outros are actually before, but, you know, um, I have to do some editing and that. But um, after we recorded, I listened to the Walkman album that you mentioned, and I listened to that Late of the Pier album. As you heard from my excitement in the episode, I couldn't be, I couldn't recommend uh, Black Fantasy Channel enough. It is genuinely... Uh, whether you were involved in that scene or not, it's just a really, really, really good album. I bet you've not listened, have you, Johnny, since we recorded? 
course not. I've got better things to do than dress <laughs> than dress up in neon and wave some glow sticks you around. You did... man. I did read a really good article that I sent you on Vice, which was an oral history of New Rave. And I would really recommend going and finding that because later the peer get mentioned, yeah. Claxons get mentioned. It is very good. It's really quite interesting article. Skins gets mentioned, obviously, because that's what was the downfall of New Rave, as well as the music being really rubbish. <laughs> yeah. So someone we know, like a, a listener whose name I can't remember, <laughs> it is someone I know, it is a mate, uh, messaged me the other day saying they listened to the episode with Sam Delaney and they said, they loved the Trash Theory YouTube channel that uh, we spoke about. I'm still obsessed with it, mate. And I like, I do like that we're doing this branch nights recommendations a bit in the intros and outros. I that is honestly, if you're into music just a little bit, it's a brilliant, brilliant YouTube channel. So that's the second plug for that. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, you can go and follow Glenn on Twitter at the News at Glenn. You can follow your fest <laughs> the on best Twitter, Twitter handle ever. Sorry. You can follow Your Fest on Twitter and Instagram at Your Fest Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. Don't follow me on Instagram at Johnny Gabriel. And you can follow Tommy on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Andrew Stewmate. And we'll be back again next week with episode 35 of Your Fest. Bye. Oh, it's a goodie. Bye bye. Love you. Bye.